Welcome to the most enchanted podcast in all the realms. I'm Lynn. I'm Elisa. And I'm Chell. Together, we are the, the Narrators, Narrators 3. Three. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where all plot devices come with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 5, Good Form. The original air date was October 27th, 2013. The writers are Christine Boyland and Daniel T. Thompson. And the director was John Amell. Guest director Amell has enjoyed an illustrious career guest directing numerous TV shows such as The Singing Detective, The Storyteller, The Tudors, The Borges, Outsiders, American Gods, Carnival Row, The Walking Dead, and Aquarius. The title card was The Jolly Roger. We begin our story today in Neverland. The Lost Boys are dragging a man through the foliage. When they finally put him in a cage, Felix says, you know what to do with him. Meanwhile, Henry is sitting on a broken tree trunk, watching the Lost Boys partying, when someone takes a stick and pokes it into his arm. Henry scowls and says, ow! From behind, a Lost Boy, Devin, is unimpressed by Henry, as he wanted to see what the savior of magic looked like. He begins instigating Henry with a weapon, forcing him to move back and dodge hits. Henry shouts for him to stop and attracts attention from everyone in the camp. Devin points at the stick underneath him and tells Henry to pick it up. Henry is left with little choice but to pick it up and fight. Yo, fuck you, kid. Don't you hit my son. This lost boy is a jerk. Devin starts a battle, to which Henry weakly blocks his attacks. He proves to be much better, and that causes the lost boys to laugh at him. Pan, who has been watching from nearby, states that Henry's skills are not bad. He then walks over and asks Henry to close his eyes and to imagine that he is actually holding a sword rather than a stick. Henry does as instructed, and the brown twig in his hand turns into a silver sword, much to the lost boy's awe. Hey, Henry, can you imagine me a banana daiquiri and, like, a platter of sushi? Pan urges Henry into another duel with Devin. This time, Henry proves himself to be more adept by managing to slash off Devin's stick and take the swipe at his face. Devin is left with a bleeding cheek gash, which makes Henry shocked at his own actions as he quickly apologizes and drops the sword. Nonetheless, Pan states, the best thing about being a lost boy is you never say sorry, and puts the sword back in Henry's hand. Isn't that like a famous line, sort of, from that crappy teen film called Love Story in the 70s? Like, being in love means you never have to say you're sorry. That's the only part I've ever seen of that one movie because I knew it was like super famous. And I just remember always thinking, no, the biggest part about love is knowing when and how to say you're sorry. <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's not great. That is not great, right? <laughs> the two turn to face the Lost Boys and Pan raises Henry's sword arm in the air as everyone begins cheering for their savior. Well, this doesn't bode well. Meanwhile... With no way of using Neil's star map, Emma, Killian, Regina, Mary Margaret, and David linger in the cave, which was Neil's old house, looking for something of use. Spotting markings on a wall behind a bed, Emma begins to pull it away when Hook asks if she needs a hand. She perceives him to be joking, but Hook laughs and removes the bedding to reveal tally marks scribbled on the wall. Hook observes Neil must have counted the days he was trapped in Neverland. That's sad. 
From looking at all the marks in total, Mary Margaret believes the last marking means Neil left the island. But Emma counters that he actually lost hope and didn't see the merit in continuing to count. She relates as she had done the same during her multiple foster home moves. David reckons Pan wants Henry to begin losing hope too. He tries to reassure Emma they will get her son back, but she knows Henry has no idea his family is coming. She proposes sending Henry a message to let him know, but Regina doesn't see a way around the situation since there are lost boys trying to constantly kill them. Oh, this from the woman who wanted to poof and use a shit ton of magic the last few episodes. But now it's convenient for the plot for her not to want to. That's true. Writing. (laughs) An idea strikes Mary Margaret that they can use it to their advantage. And she runs out of the cave to show them as David and Regina follow her. Emma begins leaving as well, but Hook stops to give her a heart to heart, admitting he knows how it feels to lose hope. Uncomfortable. Emma knows he's trying to bond with her, but it's not working, so he should save his breath. After she leaves, Hook, disappointed, turns out of the cave, but David comes back in to tell him Emma will never like him because he's nothing but a pirate. Bitches love pirates, David. What the hell are you talking about? Everyone is so hostile to Hook right now, and yeah, like, since when are people crazy into pirates? Yeah, I thought Hook was very sweet in the scene, and I'm just like, Okay, I guess he's done some shit in his past, but he's trying really hard to help this season. Guys are just being jerks. He's doing his ding-dang best. He is! In a flashback of the past, Lieutenant Killian Jones of the ship Jewel of the Realm is informing his crew that the king has an important job for them. Then he sees one of his sailor's shirts sticking out and puts it back into place. As he returns to speaking, Killian sees in the same sailor's jacket a hidden bottle of rum. Taking it out, Killian announces that he doesn't want a sinking ship filled with drunk sailors as that is bad form. Suddenly, Captain Liam Jones, Killian's older brother, arrives and says the ship is in fine form before dismissing the men to their stations. Oh, this is kind of foreshadowing how he's oblivious, isn't it? Very good, babe. (laughs) To commemorate their latest voyage together, Liam gifts Killian a brass sextant stamped with the constellations and a pegasus. Killian asks where they are heading to, but Liam is under strict orders to keep the destination secret. Once there, he admits that the king's task for them is so huge that when they accomplish it, the name of the Jones brothers will rise to glory. Killian smiles at the news. I have to take a moment to point out that Killian's little ponytail is adorable. And his pants are huge. (laughs) I I have comments on both of these things, but not until after the episode. Not until costumes. Then we get into the fucking clown pants. Back in Neverland, Hook and Emma are making wary eyes at one another about Mary Margaret's scheme. A trap to snare one of the lost boys so they can use them to get a message to Henry. Hook mumbles... You really think you can get a lost boy to betray Pan? To which Mary Margaret sasses, thanks for the advice. I love when Mary Margaret is sassy. Snow asks David to gather more vines. Upon spying Hook making eyes at Emma, David haughtily demands that Hook comes with him. Hook does not acquiesce until Emma speaks up, saying they need more vines for rope. In the jungle, David tells Hook to stay away from his daughter but Hook insists that Emma can take care of herself and doesn't need Dave's 
parenting. <laughs> I loved when he called him Dave. Me it made too. me laugh really hard. <laughs> it was comedy gold. Mm-hmm. Hook callously reminds David that he is going to die in a day or two. But the noble charming is content knowing he will die helping his family. Something someone like Hook could never understand. You know, for a dying man, David is sure high and mighty in this episode. <laughs> I don't know. Pretty sure literally dying would make anyone kind of bitchy, to be honest. (laughs) This is true. This is true. (laughs) If I was slowly being poisoned, I'm sure I'd be insufferable. I'd be grumpy (laughs) pants. (laughs) Oh, no, I just thought of you dying with poison. I'm sad, babe. Oh, my God, you gaybo. Let's get through this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Uh, If anyone can't tell, these two are now officially married, by the way. Thank you, me. (laughs) Oh, and Ariana. Hi, Ariana. And (laughs) so, yeah, now they're just like extra gay for each other. I'm pretty sure I called her a gaybo before we were married. That's true. Yeah, but you're now extra gaybos. Yes, that's true. Uh (laughs) Frustrated with David's attitude, he says he knows of a way to possibly save him. But David says any deviation from the course is an act of selfishness, as all focus should be on rescuing Henry. Hook is angry that the prince cannot see that every moment Hook is in Neverland, he is dangerously aligned against Pan and risking his own life. Charming argues that this is not a noble cause for him. It's actually because of Hook's attraction to Emma. Furthermore, Hook is never gonna get Emma. David, you're being really gross. Your daughter is damn near 30. Look, he was really pulling for Neil, okay? I mean, we all were. (laughs) Charming's just like, you aren't my OTP, damn it. (laughs) Hook snarks, it's a good thing you're gonna die soon then, prompting Charming to take a swing at him. But he is so weakened that he nearly passes out. Hook catches him and gently lays the unconscious David on the ground. Hook tries to revive David with rum, which sort of works and helps hoist him up against a boulder. David flashes the Mabs, and Hooks tells him that now it's a matter of hours, not days, until the dream shade reaches David's heart and kills him. Hook insists that David breaks the news to his family, but David continues to be a stubborn as all heck and refuses. Hook is going to be Charming's best friend or die trying. He's like so aggressively invested in being buddies in this episode. Uh-huh. He is, he is. He's like, God Damn it! I'm trying to be your friend. I'm gonna wear you down! As he catches his breath, David notices something odd poking out from the dirt. He picks it up and brushes it off, revealing a military insignia. The leather is stamped with the name Jones. And Hook reveals this was the strap on the satchel belonging to his captain and brother. He states that it must have washed down from the mountain peak during the rainstorm, as Liam had lost his satchel during his duel with Pan. Hook begins to muse about something, but immediately dismisses his bubbling idea as too dangerous. Like a cat to nip, David eagerly insists that if Hook knows of something that can be helpful, to not hold it back. Killian explains that there is a sextant which can help them leave Neverland. Determined, David insists they go up to retrieve it, even if he dies before he can return to his family, since then Hook can still deliver the sextant to Emma. David then asks Hook, You ready to be a hero? Oh, for fuck's sake, Charming. It's like watching a dog chase parked cars. Back in the past, Captain Liam Jones gives Killian a book of star charts, possessing constellations he has never seen before. 
Liam confirms that they are headed to a new land. Rival ships are in hot pursuit of the Jewel of the Realm, but Captain Jones belays the order to ready the cannons before revealing his own secret weapon, a sail made from Pegasus feathers. Miraculously, the ship soars into the skies and away from their enemies. Safely in the clouds, Captain Liam orders his brother to set a course. Second star to the right and straight on till morning. I want a flying ship. Don't we all? <laughs> you know, I thought I remembered this arc pretty well. And then when the like Pegasus sail came out and they started flying, I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't remember this part of this episode at all. I was shook. I was just like, what's happening? How do we get here? <laughs> how, did, how did you not remember the how they got to Neverland. I thought they just sailed there and used the bean portal. I don't know. I did not remember this like it's a No, that's sail. true. Actually actually we no, no, that's true. I I thought they used a bean portal. I did think they used magic though. But yeah, I forgot oh, yeah. that they did. Fly. I yeah, I didn't remember the feather mast thing. I feel like my brain just assumed it was like, oh, like pixie dust or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like I knew it was some form of magic that made them get there, but I definitely was not I, I I I didn't remember the weird feathery furry thing. Oh, not expecting Sail. this magic item. Yeah. Sail, that's the word. Thank Sail. you. You're welcome. Sail. <laughs> Mast is the big pole that holds. Yeah, it yeah. It's part. I mean, you know, it's an integral part of the sail. So I don't know boats. That's okay. <laughs> I've only been on one a few times, unless you count the ferry boats to Disney World. I frequently not been on boats. You have frequently not been on boats. It's okay. a quote from Gildenstern and Rosencrantz and Gildenstern are, are dead. Are dead, yeah. Ah. I've frequently not been on boats. Anyways, <laughs> we cut back to Neverland. Sorry, poor, poor Elisa. She's like thinking in her head, you uncultured swine. <laughs> no, the sad thing is I, I did that. I did that fucking play in high school. You did that oh, play? Wow. Yeah. We cut back to Neverland, where Hook has told the rest of the rescue party about the sextant. Emma is ready to go, but Hook gently encouraged her to stay with Regina and Mary Margaret to get her message to Henry, because every day without hope is a day closer to becoming a lost boy. Damn, they really do not shy away from the fact that to be a lost boy in this world is to, like, be in hell. No, they, they really want to hammer it in that you do not want that. David agrees with Hook's plan to further convince his family to stay behind, insisting he does not want to split up, but that it's the most logical plan for the limited time they have. David turns to Emma, who believes her father's advice will be to listen to your mother, but he just cautions her to be careful and to tack on a message to Henry on his behalf. Tell him Grandpa loves him. Grandpa loves you, Henry. No. David then throws himself at Emma for a fierce Papa Bear hug, surprising Emma. When David moves on to a slightly suspicious Mary Margaret, he embraces her and kisses her with abandon. Charming is a good man, but also good lord. Tell your wife I'm tired. Yeah, David, this is all very tender and sweet. But tell your family. It was a very romantic snowing kiss, though. It was, but I'm like, I'd enjoy this moment better if you would tell your wife. I know. 
Regina, meanwhile, walks off like, ugh, I don't have time for this mushy bullshit. Well, she <laughs> has so no good. love of the world. No. Regina is so good in this episode. Yeah, she really she's is. Hardly in it, but amazing, all the same. But every second that she's in it, she's a thousand percent done. Yeah. Mm. Later, Devin the Lost Boy is hunting boar in the jungle and becomes ensnared in Mary Margaret's trap. The women round on him, but insist that they do not intend to hurt him. And Regina offers Devin a chocolate Apollo bar as payment for his help in delivering a message to Henry. I can see that Regina just opens her own orphanage for wayward lost boys, teaches them to be civilized, make lasagna. (laughs) (laughs) Emma promises that they can help him find his way back home as well. After a moment of deliberation, Devin accepts the chocolate bar only to chuck it into the jungle. Fucking kids. Yeah, he really just yeeted that chocolate. I was like, oh, that was that was rude. All I could think also was, oh, great. Now some poor animal is going to find it, eat the chocolate, and get sick. I know, it's not good for them. No. Devin explains that he, along with the other lost boys, do not want to go home. Emma uses her sword to gesture at the deep cut across Devin's cheek, stating that Pan is a monster. Chuckling, Devin reveals it was Henry who cut him. Meanwhile, as the gentlemen are making their way through the jungle, Hook asks David how he is holding up after saying goodbye to his family. David says he did what had to be done, and he did it out of love. He insists that Hook will tell his wife and daughter that he died during the quest for the sextant, and not that he left an already condemned man. Going out like a liar. Great, David. (sighs) I am 9,000% team charming, and we all know that. But I remember the scene really bugging me because David says something like he doesn't want Snow and Emma's last memories of him to be a lie. And it's like, maybe you should have, I don't know, told your wife. This isn't actually going to make it better for anyone. Yeah, and you know, crazy thought. Would they believe Hook? Probably yeah, not. They yeah. probably think Hook double-crossed him. murdered him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so he's kind of damning Hook. Yeah, because if Hook comes back and says that, they're going to be like, oh, okay, so you killed him. Right. And, like, Emma has her lie thing, but Hook would be lying about how David died, and so Emma would be like, Hook is lying. Yeah. This is a poor choice, Charming. Yeah, this is an episode of poor Charming choices. This plan does not set well with Hook and the narrator's three. Yeah. <laughs> But after David reminds him that it is through Hook's actions that they are Neverland to begin with, the pirate grudgingly admits that David has a fair point. Just as they approach their point of ascension up Dead Man's Peak, David surmises that Hook lost his brother and confesses he had a brother as well, a twin who died before he met him. Two of you, Hook remarks, I can barely stomach one. Chuckling, David reveals his twin was a liar and a thief. And that Hook would have liked him. Mm, no, I think Hook would have hated James, too. We all hate James. We all hate James. <laughs> we all hate James. Killian responds by saying David would have liked his brother, as Liam could be a stubborn ass. At the base of the mountain, Hook orders David to wait there while he ascends. Meanwhile, in the Neverland of the past, the brother Jones arrive together while the rest of the crew remains aboard the ship. Liam finally reveals their secret mission, to obtain a magical plant potent enough to heal any injury. At the implication of never having to bury another man at sea again, Killian is awed and ready to fulfill the king's quest. 
Suddenly, a voice behind them asked, are you two lost? The brothers whirl around to see a young man. Liam demands the boy identify himself. Poised, Han introduces himself and states that he lives here. Liam explains they are on a mission from the king to retrieve a plan, which he has an illustration of. Han scoffs, calling their king ruthless for sending them to fetch Dreamshade, the deadliest plant on the island. It's medicine, Killian counters. It's doom, Han insists. Why fight a messy battle when you can kill an entire army with the sap of one plant? Liam believes that Peter is messing with them, but Killian is not so sure. They take off with Peter waving them off, saying, don't say I didn't warn you. Damn, this whole scene, Pan is telling the truth. And he's also like curious and congenial with them. So it makes me wonder if he just like had no interest in adults that he would just kind of help them just to get them off the island quickly. Like, ugh, what can I do for you? You know, just to get you off my kingdom. <laughs> yeah, you had just like get out of my house. Your get out of my over house. There, just yeah, leave. I mean, but okay, he was very calm and collected. Like, I'm Peter Pan. I live here. Who are you? You know, hi, how you this doing? My house. Hi, hi, how are you doing? Yeah, You're trespassing. And and he was very honest. He's like, this is a deadly plant. Like he didn't, like he wasn't messing with them at no. all. Yeah, good, good on Pan for at least trying to warn them. Hubris. In present-day Neverland, Hook is about to throw a rope down to David when Pan stops him. He wishes to speak to Killian, to offer him a deal to work for him again. Peter offers to grant Hook safe passage off the island, along with Emma. Hook insists Emma will never leave her son, but Pan thinks she would, with Hook to be there to pick up the pieces. As a sign of faith from Hook, Pan wants the pirate to kill David on Dead Man's Peak. Before the dream shade does. Dan is into some weird shit. Yeah, really. He was like graphically describing how he wanted David Yeah, he, he was like leering and he's like, I want you to do it. I want you to do it. Hook. And it's just what, like, I want to see his hook in Dude. his chest. And I'm like, Kid. Oh Like the dream shade is literally going to kill him within hours. Like, can't that be enough? It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Killian wants to know the consequences if he does not comply. But Peter evasively reminds his old comrade what happened the last time he didn't listen. Pan then disappears just before David reaches the shelf of the mountain on his own. David asks if Hook was talking to someone, but Hook replies he was only talking to himself. In the past, Liam and Killian are atop Dead Man's Peak, where the dream shade is growing in wild brambles. Killian's doubts are growing stronger, but Liam resolutely believes in their king. 
Killian will only fight fair, believing the dream shade to be the poison that Pan warned them about, a weapon too dangerous to use. Liam hacks off a vine and uses the thorn to slice his arm in a very theatrical demonstration of his own belief. Hook's brother is kind of a dick. Also, it's mind-boggling to me that our beautiful dum-dum Hook is the smart one in this family. Homie, that was so dramatic and unnecessary. Now you're gonna die. Like, it's so frustrating. At this point, you're just kind of that Willy Wonka meme. Like, no, don't, stop. stop. I'm back. (laughs) And I'm sure that's like what Pan's thinking, too. Like, watching them probably from, like, above the clouds. Like, no, don't, stop, come back. I know. And meanwhile, (laughs) poor Killian is so traumatized. Oh, buddy. Liam takes two steps before the poison works its way into his bloodstream causing him to collapse as Killian helplessly cries out in protest. Meanwhile, in the present-day jungle, Devin, the lost boy, is shouting that it's too late for Henry, that he is one of the most vicious new recruits they've had in ages. Sure, Jan. I know, like, oh, okay, sure. I I do have to say, as, as much work as we will come to find out that this actor has had, He's not good in this episode. No, not really. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, he's little. It's hard because there's some really good kid actors on Once Upon a Time. Yeah, yeah and Henry's, like, being, like, the main one, you know? Yeah, Henry, like, blows everything out of the water, so, like... And this kid is not as young as you on. think he is, by the way. Yeah, he's, like, 17. Oh, I was a terrible actor at 17. I can't judge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, and this is not his first rodeo. Nor will it be his last, though, thank goodness. He's gotten better roles, so as we will come to find out. But yeah, and maybe it was the directing. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Well, they, they were just like, shout louder. <laughs> be hysterical. <laughs> Mary Margaret pulls Emma away before she can throttle the dirty urchin. Oh, my God. dancing. <laughs> <laughs> What? That's oh, funny though. I just said it. Did you just say that that was me? That was absolutely accurate of that scene. And was getting funny. ready to strangle this child. And he is a dirty urchin. He is. He's dirty. And he is an orphan. He is an urchin. I mean, all of this is correct. I didn't call him a little bastard, okay? <laughs> I mean, that probably would be right, too. Right. So this is what happens when I'm left to write the recap, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> it's going to get more irate. <laughs> Regina tells them to step aside so she can rip out the boy's heart and control him to deliver the message to Henry. Mary Margaret insists they can find another way to get through to Devon. But Regina knows this kid has drunk the pan Kool-Aid. She asks what Emma thinks. Emma looks from her mother to Regina and says, I think we need to talk to our son. Hashtag Henry has two moms. <laughs> Quick, tie up Snow White. She's harshing our heart-snatching buzz. Emma takes hold of her mother as Regina gleefully rolls up her sleeves and snatches Devin's heart. After the deed is done, Mary Margaret hopes aloud that the cost of retrieving Henry will not be at the expense of their family itself. Snow, you're getting dramatic. Calm down. I mean, heart snatching a child is it's pretty damn cold, even if it's a jerk child. I think a little freak out is understandable for Snow. <laughs> Regina takes out a compact mirror and snaps its hinges, 
handing one end to Devin as she declares that they will not only be delivering a message to Henry, but they're going to get to see him as well. It's the Enchanted Force answer to FaceTime or Neverland. The Enchanted FaceTime mirror. There you go. Meanwhile, up on Dead Man's Peak, where the deadly dream shade grows, David turns his sword on Hook as he reveals he heard about Pan's deal. Hook reminds the prince that he never agreed to the deal and quickly reveals his real plan, that he made up the lost satchel story, dropping the insignia on the ground so that he could convince David to come up to the mountain for a cure. We quickly flash to the past at the same peak, where Killian is desperately trying to revive Liam. Pan arrives, reiterating that he did warn the brothers, and that Liam will die as soon as the poison reaches his heart. Killian begs for Peter's help, and the latter generously shows him a spring hidden behind the tangled dream shade plant. The water contains the essence of Neverland, with the power to cure all. Before Killian can retrieve the water, however, Pan warns him that all magic comes with a price. He cryptically warns the sailor not to leave the island unless Killian is willing to pay the price. Killian fills his flagon with the restorative waters and gives it to his brother, who recovers instantly. Liam has no memory of what occurred, and instead of explaining it to him, Killian says they need to pay the boy and go. However, Pan is nowhere to be found. It's interesting to see Pan with more dimension here and actually helping people out. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he's altruistic or good in any way but he is like you know giving him a heads up like don't don't fucking leave the island you know yeah i think he's just really bored and I'm yeah just gonna tell them the truth and see how this plays out and these are my social experiments <laughs> social experiment he's like i'm taking humanities course <laughs> yeah i mean he probably hasn't a change of pace in like fucking decades yeah so he's just like yeah whatever this will be interesting i don't have anything better to do right mm-hmm. in present day neverland Henry is playing with his sword when the enchanted Devon approaches him to deliver his message. Despite the fact that Regina is speaking through Devon, Henry doesn't believe him until he holds up the mirror and sees his mother's. Operation Cobra Rescue is happening! I love Mary Margaret going, I am also here! Yeah, Mary Margaret going, I'm here too, Henry! Was so cute. Meemaw's here too, Henry. She brought snacks and some wipes because this place is filthy. (laughs) <laughs> bless her bless her she brought your sweater she knew you'd get cold in a juice box back in the past aboard the flying ship killian and liam are in the captain's quarters liam admits he should have listened to his brother and their new mission is to reveal the king's cowardice for it is bad form to fight battles with unholy weapons killian places his hands atop his brother's shoulders and tells him he will follow him to the ends of the earth. I will follow you to the ends of the earth. Sorry, but that did not read like brothers. Gross. <laughs> the ship descends and lands in familiar waters. Liam once again collapses in pain and shortly dies in his brother's arms. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, it isn't the consequences of my own actions. Fucking <laughs> basically. Maybe you shouldn't have stab yourself with the possibly deadly oh my god not just like stabbed it like he took a thorn so dramatic sliced up his forearm and i'm just like i'm like 
bruh, if the dream shade wasn't going to kill you, I'm sure the filth and bacteria yeah. that surely would have gathered in there. Yeah, even if the plant's no not poisonous. Exactly. Even if the plant's not poisonous, the resulting infection from doing that to yourself is going to do you in. Yeah. yeah. Liam's a dum-dum. You fucking idiot. I'm back yeah. to it. It R. blows R. my mind. <laughs> well, he should have been smarter. It blows yeah, my really. mind that Killian's the smart one in the family. Yeah. Yeah. Our precious dum-dum is the smarty pants of this family. He uh-huh. is. In the present day, Killian is able to successfully retrieve the healing waters again for David, who initially resists. But once he realized that Killian was honest this whole time, he is willing to drink the waters. Hook is fully transparent about the circumstances. That David will be cured, but unable to leave Neverland. David sees this as a small price to pay to have the opportunity to live and rescue Henry. He drinks the water and is instantaneously healed of the poisoning. Charming wonders why Hook risks his life to help him, but Hook grins impishly and says he did not do it for him. Meanwhile, down in the forest jungle, Snow wonders if Henry is okay. Emma insists he is fine, and when Regina asks how she knows, Emma answers, because he is our son. And he is a survivor, and he knows we're coming and not gonna let him down. Hashtag Henry has two moms. Hashtag Henry has two moms. Mary Margaret apologizes to Emma for doubting her, as she did it knowing how easy it is to give into the darkness. Regina hilariously interrupts, reminding Snow that it was she who did the dark deed, not Emma. Regina is all, the darkness is literally standing right here. (laughs) (laughs) I love that band. (laughs) also regina just has a random kid's heart now like uh this is fine and normal well i guess it is for regina that's just a tuesday for regina yeah she's like i gotta restart my collection (laughs) a rustling in the jungle distracts them but it is only hook and david the latter who rushes to marry margaret to lay one on her in a very bonk bonk horny jail display of public affection guys your daughter is literally standing right there Whoa, get a room. Also, yay, you finally horny jailed your own ship. I'm very <laughs> proud of you. Thank you. They're, they're super horny jail in this episode. Oh my God. Thank you. Yeah, you, <laughs> I would have I sent around a petition if you did not bonk bonk these two. Bonk bonk. Horny jail. Horny jungle. Horny jungle. <laughs> horny jungle jail. Horny, horny jungle sounds like a fucking Van Halen song. <laughs> it, yeah, it kind of does. Right up there with like Panama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Regina visibly bristles and asks Hook where the sexton is. Hook says that Pan got to it first. The Charmings are in full teenage level makeout mode, leaving Emma cringing and Regina wishing for another sleeping curse. Snow and Charming being so thirsty for each other and Emma just being mortified was hilarious. I enjoyed it. (laughs) David takes a breather long enough to say that Hook saved his life, making up some cock and bull story about being ambushed by lost boys. David asks for his flask and takes a swig of rum in thanks. Buddy, that rum was made in a still. David passes the flask to Mary Margaret who toasts to Hook's heroics before passing the flask to Regina, who briskly says, I don't do rum, before walking away. Regina is a gin lady, thank you, and only top shelf. And that's fine, because more banana daiquiris for me. Regina refusing the rum was a very good moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We didn't get too much Regina in this episode, 
But what we did get was comedy gold, honestly. Yeah, I love that. I don't do rum. It just like walks off. Emma takes the flask and toasts the pirate. The others walk off to collaborate while Emma and Hook hang back. She asks if David's story is true, and Hook confirms it. Emma thanks him. Hook delicately touches his lips and says, perhaps gratitude is in order. Emma reminds him that was what the words thank you were for, but she is trying to hide a coy smile to no avail. Hook steps closer to Emma, who teases that he can't handle it. Perhaps you're the one who couldn't handle it, Hook taunts, prompting Emma to grab him and give him a very graphic smooching. And that your parents are like 10 feet away. You people are so bad at this. <laughs> oh, hello. Okay. Uh, this early in season three? I guess I forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot it was this early too. But he was very cute and helpful in this episode. So I understand why she was like, everything is terrible. It's time to smooch the handsome pirate. Neil's not even cold or dead. I know, literally, like, like, well, they don't know that well. She's under stress, man. She's not making... No, 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 no. I know, I understand. But I just remember, like, I think it was literally, like, the last episode where they were like, Neil is barely dead and barely cold and and stop making the moves on her and blah, blah, blah and stuff, you know? And I mean, and technically he didn't go in to smooch her, you know, he just... No, she wouldn't smooch him. She was like, she... she was like, I'm, you know what? Bonk, bonk, horny jail myself. It's time to smooch this handsome man. She wanted some smooches. I think she's having a lot of feels over many different things. Yeah. She's frustrated, man, over a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, smooches. Yeah, I don't blame her. I do blame him, though, for being stupid handsome. (laughs) (laughs) Alarmed with herself, Emma pulls back and declares this was a one-time thing before turning away. She orders him not to follow her, to wait five minutes, and go get firewood or something. Chuffed with himself, Hook merely replies, as you wish. And I'm just like, as you wish. It it was a very deliberate line. Dread Pirate Roberts. That is who Colin O'Donoghue molded Hook after. Did he really? Yeah. Nice. He has total Dread Pirate Roberts vibes. I love it. Oh, he does. I just didn't know they were intentional. Very. Nice. Aboard the Jewel of the Realm of the Past, the crew holds a funeral at sea for their captain. Killian gives a rousing speech, letting his men know about the king's greed for the deadly dream shade. He burns the Pegasus sail as he declares that no one shall ever sail to that cursed land again, nor will they take honors from a dishonorable king. He intends to sail under the crimson flag, giving no quarters to their enemies to take what they please and live by their own rules, as that is the best form of all. As their immoral and corrupt kingdom took away his brother, Killiam decides to take possession of the ship, newly named the Jolly Roger. When the king comes looking for them, he wants them to know that they are pirates, for at least there's honor among thieves. This whole thing escalated very quickly. I do want to say a little pirate fun fact, I guess, is to sail under the crimson flag. That's like a warning that they are not going to give quarter to their enemies. So that's why he puts those two lines together. So when you fly under the actual Jolly Roger, which is the traditional flag of the pirates, like the black one, that means that they will take prisoners. Pirate knowledge. 
pirate knowledge. Nice. The more you know. The more you know. <laughs> and knowing is half the battle. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, we were all raised by television. <laughs> what? No. Yes. <laughs> in present day Neverland, as Hook drinks alone in the woods, ah, uh, buddy, <laughs> Pan appears and says that the former really should have taken his deal. I love that Pan walks everywhere because the budget cannot handle all the flying that he does in real life. It works for like his intimidation like he's like oh i could fly but i'm not going to yeah no 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 for <laughs> sure like i mean it would i think it would 100 percent like take away any sort of like oh yeah with no, how the I'm cgi so is yeah. in this fucking show if he flew everywhere no one would take him seriously i'm so glad yeah. there's no green oh it's blue they use blue screen a lot i'm so glad there's no blue screen fly yeah yeah no it would it would look awful at least with this it almost seems like he's teleporting which is a hell of a lot scarier. Yeah. Peter scoffs, asking if Hook really believes that the kiss with Emma meant anything. Hook believes Emma is seeing him for the man he really is, which makes Pan snark, what, you mean a one-handed pirate with a drinking problem? Hook replies that he is a man of honor. Pan asks what a man of honor would do with a big, fat secret, namely Bail fire. Bail fire. Bail fire. <laughs> Bail fire. For he is alive and in Neverland. But oh, would Peter Pan hate for that to get in the way of a budding romance? Pan decides to leave the choice to tell Emma in Hook's hands. Um, can't. Testing. <laughs> testing what kind of man Hook really is. The last shot is the Lost Boys and Pan looking into a cage where a drugged balefire is sleeping. Pan orders the boys to hoist up the cage and hang balefire up in a tree next to <gasps> the other one. Get a savage. <laughs> and credits. We did it! We did it! We did it! First episode recording back after Lynn and me got married and went on our honeymoon. We actually got to watch this episode all together the day we got home because Chell was babysitting our cats. It was a family reunion. Oh, it was. It was. And it was the first episode we ever all actually got to watch together. Yeah, and I'm not saying this is a bad episode. It's not. It's just not the one that I would want to like pick for all three of us to watch. No. <laughs> yeah. I was a little no, bummed out about that. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we could have probably have picked a better one to be the one we all watched for the first time. I'm sure there will be, like, more opportunities. Yeah, I'm sure there will. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of this episode is the reluctant friendship of Hook and Charming, which I enjoyed quite a bit. And we also get to learn more about Killian. His brother's blind trust in his king is infuriating. Like, if Liam had just listened to his brother and not stabbed himself with a deadly poison. He'd still be alive, and we could have saved poor Killian a whole lot of trauma, but that's well, what happened. This is the show. He is an idiot, and also kind of a dick. You know, if we keep tracing back the cause and effect of various events in this, the whole, okay, so Storybrooke and the whole curse and everything can be traced back to Rumpelstiltskin, right? Yeah. But Rumpelstiltskin, being so desperate to go to the dark one and have that comes from this like massive fear of abandonment and fear of like losing balefire and also you know like i'm not blaming mila 
you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm just putting that out there. But like, you know, Mila leaving him was part of that. Mila wouldn't left him for Killian. She might have left him, but maybe not for Killian. But if Killian hadn't been a pirate and he wouldn't have been a pirate if Liam wasn't a dumbass and got his own ass killed. So ergo, shitty logic. <laughs> what are you doing over there, Charlie Day? <laughs> <laughs> Bad passing the buck logic can pinpoint Liam, Liam Jones, for being the entire cause for all the once upon a time woes. I mean, we haven't I met mean, him he yet. Sucks, so <laughs> I'm but figuring the Jones father is really who we're going to be blaming. I uh, remember he's a shitty father. He's however yeah. handsome as heck because he's Adam Crosdale. We love we Adam Crosdale. Who? He's Ignis in Final Fantasy 15. Who? It's a good game and he's very handsome. When and me have met him twice. At- it's, it's the video game I have the big ass tattoo from. Who? <laughs> You've seen my tattoo. Don't who that. I quoted the game in our vows. It's true. She did have a line from Final Fantasy 15 in our vows. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so far, I think the first few episodes of the season have been stronger than this one. But I, I still I still definitely enjoyed myself. It had some good character moments. It had some really delightful comedy moments, especially with Regina. And then it also had some fun smooches. This was a bonk bonk horny jail, horny jungle episode, which is it's fun. I'm really not loving this horny jungle thing. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle. What do you got? The horny jungle. The horny jungle. There's so many it is a guns and roses. Guns and roses. Horny That's jungle. It. Oh my god, take away my metal card. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm still very much enjoying the Neverland season. Even if this one yeah. wasn't as strong as like one, two, or three or anything like that, but I enjoyed it. Neverland is 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 a winner for me. I'm I very much like this arc. I think it helps that Pan is a formidable enemy. Yes. That like is in no small part thanks to Robbie Kay's casting. Yeah. If this um, was everything else and just Greg and Tamara running around instead. Oh my god. Yeah. god How fucking so miserable fucking would we be? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think they should have been taken out the way that they were. But, no, 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 no. no. Right. But they did need to, you know, exit stage left. <laughs> so, my bear. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I'm, I'm kind of with you with this episode. Like it's, it's not the strongest and it's not like the best, but it's, it's an adequate episode. It's nothing that I find wholly problematic in any way other than David just being dumb. Like but, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's just like, it, it's like, okay, we have to like, in order, in order to get the plot across, <laughs> yeah, we, we have to turn the dumb up in David. We have to crank up his dumb just a wee bit more. And it's like, oh God, we already did this with Curse David. Let's not like rewind, I know. rewind that. Leave, leave Curse David in the past, please. Right. We don't need to ever go back to Curse David. Charming only. Yeah, charming only. Exactly. I mean, you know, and Charming is like a very stubborn, oh, yeah. guy when he, when he, you know, in his less than finer moments. So, which is fine. He usually gets over it pretty quickly. But uh, yeah, I thought, I thought this whole episode was pretty good. Like on the whole, you know? Certainly is not carrying a whole bunch of sins as as like <laughs> predecessor episodes that are like, oh, it's adequate. Except for like this one scene. Yeah, no, this yeah. one's just like, it's a fun episode of television. I enjoyed watching it. It was nice to have so much hook. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun. It was fine. <laughs> what about costumes? Oh my God, the fucking clown pants that the Jones brothers are wearing in this episode. I don't remember much else about the costumes, but I remember those fucking clown pants. <laughs> so 
Liam's naval uniform is the same costume worn by Russell Crowe himself in the 2003 war drama film, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. But they just switched out the epaulets. So isn't that, that's pretty wild because I'm pretty sure that if memory serves, that movie was praised for being really historically accurate with their costuming. I love the styling choice of Killian's little ponytail though. (laughs) see i hated the ponytail it reminded me way too much of like late 80s pop rockers like smooth jazz singers you know just shudder it made me think of um treasure planet oh jim hawkins and yeah i can see that and i he's such a cutie maybe you know what maybe they did that deliberately maybe i feel like there's some vibes there some some jim hawkins vibes for for killian maybe i've never seen that movie so but i I know who you're talking about i like it yeah, it got a bad rap when it came out. And it just didn't do very well. But I, 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 I really think it was liked like it. Come out on the heels of Tarzan, or was it right? Or was it after Tarzan? I was out. I think it was the. I think it's the media one after Atlantis. So it was during their like experimental phase. A very experimental, and like yeah, everybody just wasn't having it. Other than you know, children, act like the actual audience. Like the- yeah, exactly. All right, time to play. Who's that guest star? First, we have Skylar Giznodo. He's Devin, our hysterical lost boy. <laughs> <laughs> the filthy so, urchin. <laughs> the, filthy, the filthy street urchin. Yes, the filthy urchin. After his initial appearance in a Pizza Hut commercial, Skylar has had a, a steady stream of guest appearances, like on ER, House, CSI, Cold Case, Monk, and Everybody Loves Raymond. He hit regular cast status for Psych, the Bill Engville Show, Santa Clarita Diet, The Righteous Gemstones, and Fairfax. He has also loaned his voice to roles on Close Enough, the whole Airbud franchise, Phineas and Ferb, and American Dad. Then we have Bernard Curry as Captain Liam Jones. The foundation of Bernard's career as an actor has been solidly built on television and movie roles in his native Australia, such as Home and Away, Blue Healers, Woo! Shout out to Blue Healers. The oh, King. That is. Uh, yeah, no, I don't expect you to. Don't worry. It's, okay. But shout out to our Aussie fans. The King, Out of the Blue, MDA, Crash Burn, Stingers, Raw FM, Neighbors. Hey. hey. <laughs> Went, neighbors is the supernatural. Of, yes, Neighbors of, is the supernatural. Yeah. Neighbors is the supernatural of, of Australia. Of Australia. Yeah. yeah. Holy say, shit. I also don't know what that is. Even Natalie it's, Imbruglia was on it. Oh, yeah, Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie, Kylie Minogue, like everybody, anybody who's anybody in Australia, like was on Neighbors. So Neighbors is like Days of Our Lives. Oh, okay. Yeah. King Um, George was definitely on Neighbors. Allendale. Allendale, yeah. It's been running a stupid long time. He hosted the Australian version of the reality series Beauty and the Geek for four seasons and has appeared in various theater productions, including the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Overseas, Bernard has guest starred on the American series Faking It, Pretty Little Liars, Hit the Floor, and Ravenswood. All right, it's time for Once Upon a Timeline. It's time to unleash our Pegasus sails and set flight to a timeline. So the flashbacks in this episode most closely follow those seen in Season 2, Episode 14, Manhattan where we see Rumpelstiltskin hobble himself to escape the Ogre War so he can return home to his newborn son, Balefire, and his wife, Mila. 
And then in this episode, we see Killian Jones turn his back on his lying king and become a pirate. Yar. Um, the farthest back we have seen Hook before this episode were the flashbacks in season two, episode four, The Crocodile, where we see a fully fledged pirate Hook fall in love and run off with Mila. And that's what I have. Thank you to the Once Upon a Time wiki, their Enchanted Forest timeline. I double checked there to make sure I was right with my before episode. Um, I was, so it's a, a great resource. I like to rebuild the timelines myself because it makes me feel smart. But I do double check there when I'm not sure about stuff. I admire you, Elisa, for writing all of these timelines. I like puzzles. And this is a puzzle. Okay, it's time for our rants <laughs> and raves. <laughs> Elisa, what's your, what's your rave? I'm going to rave. I married Lynn. Oh, yeah. What, really? I did it. You did it. It was wonderful. Do you remember it? I'm really looking forward to getting our video back so I can see what parts of my wedding looked like. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very excited for the video. I know. I was so happy to get the photos. Now, the photos are good for filling in some of the gaps. (laughs) I think I remember it more than Lynn does. I was very stressed. The actual wedding ceremony from walking down the aisle to me and Lynn, you know, riding on the carriage. That's like playing big screen vision on my mind on repeat. Like that's solid for me, which I think is the important part, you know? I'd hope so. Cause that was my part, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my act- big moment. What are you us, talking about? Us actually getting married and then me and Lynn having like our private moment and going on the carriage ride and stuff like super, super vivid memory and then the whole reception is just an absolute blur because it was just like now you gotta do this now you gotta do this now you gotta do this Um, i remember no one let me eat and then after the wedding was over and and we changed and then we went out to dinner at goofy's kitchen which was hell yeah very fun and we ate so much food because we didn't get to eat that much at the wedding and then everyone at the restaurant was so very cute it was very cute yeah everyone at the restaurant was very nice and it's character dining so like Minnie and Chip and Dale and Goofy like all came over and were excited about us because we just got married and it was very sweet and the all the cast members did a lot of cute things for us and it's adorable (laughs) eventually one of my friends who was also a dm for us in one of our dnd campaigns two or dnd campaigns who i don't think listens to this but if you are listening to it hi tony oh yeah Um, tony tony's great yes tony is wonderful and he came and stood directly in front of me and said i'm not going to let anyone else come up and talk to you and you're going to eat i'm going to talk at you so people see you're occupied but you're just going to eat. And for every word you say to me, you need to take three bites. I did. And I, I owe, I owe that man my life. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I was getting so weird and ravenous because I had to be to hair and makeup at 4am. And then I also hadn't really eaten anything. So I just was getting super weird. And I was like, I'm just so hungry. I'm going to start crying. I'll tell you what. Duck came. And then Donald, Donald Duck. Came. That, I remember Donald Duck in vivid, vivid I vividly That's remember right. Donald Duck showing up. wonderful. That was so much fun. <laughs> People are going to ask Lynn, what do you remember about the wedding? Donald? Well, Donald oh. Duck was probably her absolute favorite part of the wedding. I mean, I don't want to say that, but he was a very big highlight. And I have pictures where it looks like I just married Donald. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I was like married a- to Lynn for about two hours and then Donald Duck came. Like so there's pictures of him very, <laughs> very romantically slow dancing with me in a couple of those pictures. Mm-hmm. I very- love the Donald Duck and Ariana poses. 
Those were so cute. Oh, I know. Ariana and Donald were so dapper together. Ariana just looked so goddamn dapper. You both looked amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And just was like, oh, my fairy godparents. I have a list of wrecks, like a lot of things to shout out. So first, I listened to the Swan Queen episode, the should have been gay episode of the podcast Let's Hang Out. And it was a really fun listen. They have a series where they talk about media that should have been gay. And I was curious because this is a Swan Queen episode. I listened to it. It was very fun. And my favorite reoccurring bit was when they talked about Hook having bi wife energy. <laughs> and I was like, he does. He does have bi wife energy. And I love that for him. So anyways, let's hang out. It's a fun podcast. I recommend it. And thank you for giving me bi wife energy Hook because... Uh, I don't think that's the last time we're going to say this on the show. Also, between season two of Owl House, Stranger Things season four, Obi-Wan, and Spy Family, there's just been so much good TV coming out right now. And I'm very glad Lynn and me finally have some relaxing time to watch all of it because we binged all those things. Well, some of those things are still airing right now, so we're, you know, just caught up. But, like, ugh, it's all so good. Also, Lynn has been replaying Mass Effect in the background while I've been editing uh, the podcast episodes. So I'm just like, oh, Raphael, every time Caden talks, our, our dear, dear Archie. And my favorite voice line in the game is when he's like, mom was right. I should have brought my sweater. Aww. It's very cute. <laughs> for context, you're on a planet that's entirely made of snow when that's happening. He's a cutie. <laughs> Right, that's me that was a long list the best part was marrying lynn though the best part Thank was you. marrying lynn but <laughs> i wanted to share some recommendations and other fun stuff i can hope so <laughs> the best thing every day is being married to you babe oh that's so gay oh yeah. god you two are so gay i love it <laughs> what about okay. you Jill? uh i co-officiated these two little gay love birds and that of course has been the highlight since i have spoken with our listeners even though that was over a month ago. Yeah, it was almost okay. it was five. It was al- almost five five weeks ago now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my god, yeah. are you two gonna be like like new mothers? You're like we've been married for sixty two weeks. No, but we did. We <laughs> did. We were just a few days ago. We were like, it's been exactly one month, and now Aww. it's been like a week later. So <laughs> very cute. But yes, the whole wedding was wonderful, and like I don't even need to go into it because you two did. So that's great. Let's see. There's like a lot going on in my life, but I'm just going to like talk about recommendations. <laughs> Stranger Things, like I'm still on that Stranger Things high and don't worry, I won't spoil anything, but uh, it hit me right in the feels. And just seeing Jamie Campbell Bauer, who I had no idea was going to be in it until I saw his name, just seeing him finally have his big moment, like really lifted me up because I have been a champion of his since Sweeney Todd and I've always it kind of expected his career to really take off. And I mean, like, in a really big fucking way. Like, it, I mean, it, it's not like he hasn't been doing shit. He, he has been. It's just been, you know, smaller stuff. And when they cast him as young Grindelwald in the, uh, the franchise that shall not be named, <laughs> I was like, oh, great. So when they announced the Fantastic Beast stuff, I was like, oh, they just need to age him up a bit and he'll be fine. And they did it in that fucking destroyed me like it destroyed me I was like are you why like why not right like I didn't understand Um, kind of ironically he was in Mortal Instruments which is a big thorn in the side of the turf who should not be named that's true oh really actually kind of stuck it to her so I don't know what Mortal Instruments is okay okay Mortal Instruments 
started Uh-oh. out as Draco Ginny fan fiction, but it got all its own traction and became its own monster. Yeah, it has a movie, it has a TV, a TV series, it has comic books now. It oh, has shit. tons of books and like like a prequel book series, which I think is actually the thing that's actually done most well because I think it's like more original and things like that. So and he was in the film really version? Like he was yeah. in the film version. Yeah. Okay. Opposite, um... Oh, what's her face? The cutie pie that played Snow White in Mirror in Mirror, Mirror. Mirror. Lily Collins. Lily Collins. Oh, God. I, I kept thinking Lily, Lily but my my thing kept going Lily James, and I was like, no, that's that's Cinderella. Yeah, yeah. it also has Robert Sheehan in it. It has a Jonathan Reese Myers. Myers. That is Lena Hetty. Has Lena Hetty in it. Oh. It also had Adrian Turner in it. God, everyone's in that movie. Everyone attractive is in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> also, it has um Jonathan Reese Myers having grown man hissy fits, which are hysterically funny. Yeah. <laughs> Every time that he's in something, I feel like he does have grown man hissy fits. Which he definitely I, punches a piano. I am the king oh of God. England. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, tutors. Topical um, because the tutors were by the guy who directed this episode. Yes. See, we brought it around. There oh, we go. There Full you circle. Go. Full some, fucking circle. Oh, they wow. got all the these amazing not, actors. The movie did not do well. Oh, no. It crashed I, and burned. It wasn't the best. That's okay. But you know what? It was, it was fun. It was it's fun. Fine. Yeah, it is does now, have... because now the children, the children now know who he is, and exactly. that's that's what's important. Because now <laughs> they're gonna have to be paying him real money if Hollywood wants him, and I think they're gonna want him. I'm I'm stoked to see where he goes next. Also, our flag means death. Uh, we've all been on that hype train for the last know, yeah. five weeks, and also they could just got renewed for season two. Yay. And my brother said maybe. To cosplaying Blackbeard to Ariana Steed, so that'd be very cute. We we will have to provide him the costume, but he did say maybe, and a maybe is not no. Maybe is not no. <laughs> and I might cosplay Jim. I know for me, even though like body types technically don't matter, but like I have boobs, like boobs that I cannot bind because I actually cannot, for health reasons, wear a binder. So maybe with tape we can figure some things out, but we'll see. Shout out to our Australia listeners, right, Elisa? Oh, then- yeah. We we rank pretty high on the uh, iTunes charts in Australia for the TV and film category. So thanks, Australia, folks. Thank you, Australia. Thank you. Actually, this is a good opportunity is that we've got really sweet comments lately. And it, it means a lot to know that we're not just like talking. I mean, we're talking to each other, but to know we're just not like talking in the void. Like it does take a lot of time to to do the podcast. So it, it makes my day when, when people are interacting with us and, and people say kind things. So thank you so much. Also along that line, a thousand years late. Uh, hey, Captain Floor, thanks for congratulating us on our wedding. It made I, my day. Oh, no. <laughs> oh yeah. Captain Floor. We love you, Captain Floor. <laughs> we love you, Captain Floor. You brighten our day consistently. <laughs> Captain Floor, I don't even know if you actually listen to this or we're just mutuals on Instagram, but that's fine. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> we're Either still way putting we're putting that love for you out into the internet. Absolutely. Follow yeah. Captain Floor O A O U A T, I think. Yeah. Uh, on Instagram because they have some top tier fucking memes. Yeah, it is it is the place to go for once upon a time memes, man. Quality stuff. <laughs> All right, what about you, Lynn? Um, what are your things? I mostly just have that we finally got married. Mm. <laughs> That's only, a big thing, man. It, yeah, I mean, it only took two years and four reschedules. <laughs> <laughs> but holy shit, it's weird having it over. 
like I feel a little like Inigo Montoya going, I spent so long in revenge. Now I don't know what to do with myself or whatever the quote is. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> so much of my life was just like need to get to the wedding. And then it's like, oh, well, the wedding's over now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little surreal. But as Elisa said, we actually have time to like relax and do stuff again which has been nice and like and unpack yeah god yeah as i sit here just surrounded by boxes but like i i can finally play video games again and like elisa and chell have both mentioned most of the stuff i've been into but we also marathoned all of the ghost and molly mcgee which is very good oh my god i think you'd actually love it it's on disney plus it's a cartoon about a ghost who basically is going to be kicked out of the afterlife because he's bad at being a ghost and doesn't scare anyone. Oh, so like Casper? Kind of, except he's like a curmudgeonly old yeah. fart who's he's lazy. lazy. Yeah. And he's like, so he doesn't want to meet his scare goals because he's like, I can't be asked. I just want to loaf and eat food. And they're like, if you don't, you know, freaking get your scare numbers up, we're going to throw you into the river of lost souls or whatever it's called. And so he's, it's like, okay, this is your one final chance. You got to go and like haunt the hell out of this house. And so he attaches himself to this house with this family that has just moved in. And the girl in it, Molly, he like, is like, I place a curse on you so that you will be stuck with me until the day you die. And she's just like, oh my God, I don't have any friends in this new place yet. You mean we'll always be together? That's perfect. Best friends for life. (laughs) It's Ashley Birch. I I love her so much. So it's just this curmudgeonly little ghost who's just stuck with this just like effervescent preteen girl who thinks he's the best thing ever. And he's just like, oh God, what have I done? And since he's literally laid a curse down, he is actually like, bound to her now so he has to just follow with her as she does like grotesquely cute preteen girl shit oh i think you'd like it it's it's very it's very i just just added it to my list i have this growing list with my friends that when we watch stuff so i just added it to our list because we have amphibia and the owl house on there too. oh yeah because that was actually my next thing is we're working our way through amphibia right now it's very good i'm enjoying it it's very good yeah we also have the tangled series on our list hell yeah Hell yeah. You know how I feel about the Tangled series. It's hella gay. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Rapunzel has two hands. Rapunzel has two hands. Hands? Two hands. One for Eugene and one for Cassandra. One for Cassandra. That's so sweet. Does that mean that um Flynn is bisexual wife? He kind of <laughs> is. Yeah. Oh my god. But right, yes, Eugene Fitzherbert has bi-wife energy. He has 9,000% bi-wife energy. Yeah, because he's pretty much hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, back in the fairy tale land that was, Ariel the mermaid saves Snow White from drowning. Snow then returns the favor by helping her new friend get acquainted with Prince Eric, with whom she has fallen madly in love with. Meanwhile, Emma, Mary Margaret, David, and Hook attempt to save Neil, who is imprisoned in one of Pan's encampments. And Regina and Mr. Gold begrudgingly team up to find a way to take down Pan. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is, don't stab yourself with mystery plants. It could be poisonous. Talk fairy tales with us on anchor.fm slash onceuponarewatch. Tweet us at onceuponrewatch. Participate in episodic polls on Instagram at Once Upon Rewatch. Follow us at Once Upon A Rewatch.tumblr.com. If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts 
or on your platform of choice. The artwork for our podcast was by Lychee Riru. We want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairytale Waltz. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. I want uh, one. How you doing, buddy? Oh, is that so? Who you oh, have yeah. a conversation okay. with? The Roomba. Do you guys hear it? No. no. I'm picking up. Well, the Roomba is somewhere underneath this couch, apparently. And it just started shouting at me. <laughs> Probably because it's out of battery and stuck. It's stuck yeah. under the couch and it's saying it needs help. And I'm like, I don't know where you are or how to take care of you. For one one. Also, can you hear someone like playing guitar on my end? What? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I hear that coming but through that's the window. Funny.